Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, September 14th, and on today's podcast, we are reviewing the Week 2 DFS value options. We are going to go through all positions and cover the players priced under $7,000 and target the guys that we think provide the best value. On Thursday, we start getting practice reports and injury updates, which helps us be able to find some of these guys that might have an increased opportunity this week. And we want to plug those players into our DFS lineup, which will create savings, create opportunity to go spend up higher elsewhere. So on today's podcast, we will go through, like I said, every single position on the DFS board, cover players under $7,000 and help you guys find some value options as we go hunting for some guys that are going to pop off in week two. Before we get started, let me do my normal housekeeping. Let me remind you guys to follow me on x.com, the Fiddle Picks account on Twitter or x, to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and to sign up for my Substack, the Fiddle Picks Substack. Again, my link is in the bio on my Twitter handle, where it's a gambling newsletter where I'm giving out best bets, three emails a week, a weekly giveaway. We have a Chris Olave free rookie card giveaway live right now all you need to do is sign up for my Substack, and if you're already signed up for my Substack, you simply just need to comment on any post and you are entered to win a free chris olave rookie card giveaway we will be doing giveaways every single week throughout the nfl season my plan is to just look who did well the previous week look at my stacked collection of rookie cards and give one of those bad boys away so we have chris olave coming off a eight catch performance with over 100 yards and it's time to take him out of my collection and send him to one of you guys so please sign up for that giveaway and join the Substack. and of course if you want all access to my picks and my bets in real time join the sports ethos wager pass and discord channel so let's get into this today joining me as he does usually on pretty much every thursday show as we go through the value options is a frequent guest on the pod Gibby Graves, Gib, welcome back. How you doing? We ready to go through Good, crush uh, this slate? Yeah, happy happy to be back, ready to, to crush the slate. Last week did pretty, pretty well. But I just also want to say I do get the substack, and the substack is sweet. I've already put in uh, two of the bets that you put that you sent uh, recently, uh, ready to go. Highly recommend. Uh, super, super great uh, write-ups for each of your, your recommendations on the substack. So. Definitely want to plug that and say it's a, it's a thank great, you. And and I did I did see your comment come in, so I do know you are now entered to win a Chris Olave rookie card. But to be honest, Gib, like I don't know if I'm if even if you did win out of the winner the randomizer that I choose, I don't know if I'm calling you up and saying Gib you won, or I'm just clicking refresh and choosing someone else to give this card to. So I appreciate you entering the sweepstakes, but everyone else who's listening, no, you have a better chance of winning it than this man on my podcast today. You better give you better give me the free Olave. <laughs> Yeah, if, if if I win fair and square, I deserve it. Right, I maybe it. I'll change my mind, or maybe <laughs> maybe when he correlates to someone on your fantasy team, I'll uh, give you an extra entry. But anyways, let's jump right into this slate. The where we start always is the quarterback position. We are going to find the guys priced under seven thousand dollars on last Tuesday's episode. Or it actually was Wednesday this week because my microphone was broken. I had some technical difficulties. I did it a day late. 
We went through the week one slate breakdown. We covered all of the best bets. We covered all of the betting splits, betting trends, key numbers, line movement indicators, and so on and so forth that helps you target some of these DFS. And then we went through <clears throat> the high-priced options on the DFS slate. We went through Mahomes. We went through Josh Allen as the probable quarterbacks that we are going to play. However, we can go value hunting in this position. And there's quite a few guys that are piquing my interest. So I'm going to run through these names, Gib, and I'm going to have you kind of give me a quick reaction back as I go down the board. I'm going to start at that 7,000 and start working the way down. The first name that pops is Trevor Lawrence, 6,700. He's playing at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. This game has the highest total on the board at 51.5. We have definite stack options in pairing him with a Calvin Ridley. Uh, you could take the chance on Christian Kirk or Zay Jones. You could go with Evan Ingram. Even Travis Etienne seemed to have gotten five uh, targets, five receptions last week. He's not normally a pass-catching running back, but hey, if that's one of his roles this year, we could open that up to a stack situation. So I think Trevor Lawrence pre presents a very good option. And then I keep looking down the list. I see Daniel Jones playing against the Chattanooga Community College, a.k.a. the Arizona Cardinals. I see Geno Smith playing in the Dome against the Detroit Lions on the road. I mean, Geno's got to have a bounce-back week. We're finally getting him at $5,900, under $6,000 for Geno Smith. And then the last guy that I saw is Jimmy Garoppolo. So if I was going to go with the Josh Allen, which is likely my choice in a cash game. I'm likely someone who spends up for quarterback. If you're going in GPPs, the idea of taking a lower-spend quarterback who breaks the slate is such a game-wrecker and game-breaker for you. It helps you so much in bringing home a big cash prize that I think just on the other end of that Josh Allen, going with Garoppolo, who might be in a shootout game having to keep up, and I look at his stats from last week, dude, Nine rushing attempts for Garoppolo last week. It only resulted in 11 yards. But if he's going to be taking five, six, seven carries on the ground, he becomes a really good value option. So which one of those guys do you like best? Or is there any other names that you want to include in a value quarterback setting? Value quarterback setting for this slate. Um, I don't like Garoppolo. He's going against Buffalo's D. I think Buffalo's D is really, really strong. I think I don't, I don't know if he's going to pop off against them. Um, I really love – I'm going rookie here, uh, Anthony Richardson. Uh, one one o'clock game, uh, going against Houston. Uh, just watching him last week, one, he's a better passer than I, than I was expecting him to be, and his athleticism is obviously well-documented. So I kind of expect him to have a big, big game. Um, on the ground, get those rushing yards, and have another touchdown uh, using his feet, which is obviously more valuable. So uh, the quarterback that I am looking to get is Anthony Richardson, and I see him at 6,300. So I'm looking at his stats from last week, Gib. His volume was so super elite. He had 37 yeah. passing attempts and 10 rushing attempts. That is like – Sometimes when you try and grab these GPP guys, especially a value option player, especially at the quarterback position, you could almost get two guys to fill one slot. And if he's throwing the ball 35 or more times and he's rushing the ball 10 times, he's a quarterback one and an RB2 combined. So 
I love the idea of Richardson. He is in a divisional game on the road, which generally you'd say those result in less scoring. So you want to not target them as much for a DFS. However, we have no familiarity when we have a new coach and a new quarterback on both sides of this game. Like these two teams have never played each other, even though they're in division against each other and they'll see each other two times a year for the foreseeable future. We have never seen seen a Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson go against a D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud. We will probably see it an absolute ton over the next five to 10 years, but we, it will be the first time we get it this Sunday. So I do think Anthony Richardson kind of a sneaky value option that I might've missed. If you're going to go, you prefer the the value savings of Richardson than just the four hundred dollar difference to Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, um, I actually I I prefer even if they were the same dollar value, I think I I might go Richardson anyways. Okay, the only reason I would say I would, and I'm not saying I lean Lawrence. I I, I think it's a, a clear toss up, is because of the the situation that Anthony Richardson finds himself in a game where the point total is the over under is forty. And Lawrence is on the over-under 51.5. So if there's going to be a lot more team-implied points there, like uh, Anthony Richardson and the Colts are implied 18 points, Trevor Lawrence is per, per, uh, projected, and the Jaguars projected 24. That's team scoring points, not fantasy points. Uh, if we look at the optimizers for fantasy points projection, it's it's about two 2.5 points difference in the optimizer that I'm looking at. So that might be worth the savings. And, of course, these projections kind of never they, – they're projections, so they don't actually land there very often. It's like a spread. It might be a spread of three, but we might end up in a 17-point game. You never know. All right, let's go over to the running back position, uh, Gib. Top of the board, I discussed earlier this week, I, I mentioned McCaffrey. I mentioned I love Saquon. I skipped Eckler because he's dealing with a banged-up uh, ankle. So I think the first place that we obviously have to start in terms of value running backs has to be Josh Kelly. Uh, if he's getting that full workload, even though he's going against the Tennessee Titans, which are great against the run, they shut down Jamal Williams, who was me and your favorite value option last week on the episode we did last week. Uh, I still don't care. I don't mind a one-week sample of dominating against the run. The The Chargers' offense is so explosive, and Kelly should get such a dominant workload. And you even have Austin Eckler saying he does a – fantasy show with Matt Harmon of Yahoo. Eckler is saying this week on the fantasy show that Joshua Kelly should be owned in 100% of fantasy leagues. Shout out. I have him in my fantasy league. And I just think he makes for a very strong start if Eckler is out and he seems to be trending that direction. Even even if Eckler is in, like last week, Kelly has 16 carries for 91 yards. He's a strong play. Now, I think he'll have a bigger workload if Eckler's slightly hurt and, and plays still, uh, but he he he's a he's a worker. He he's a good player. So I think he's a I think that's a great play, especially if Eckler doesn't, if Eckler doesn't play. Let me ask you something. I've got Gus Edwards here at five thousand three hundred. I've got Justice Hill at four thousand nine hundred. We know J.K. Dobbins is coming off the injury. We know the Ravens are bringing up Melvin Gordon, it seems, to the active roster. Let's quickly see how much Melvin Gordon costs. 4400 Is there any Ravens running back that we find presents good value? Yeah, I think this is the most important question this week. I am staying away from all three. Um, I, don't, I don't know who's going to get the rushes, who's going to get the goal line. I would assume Gus gets goal line and maybe B.J. Hill. 
uh, against like non-goal line. But, but I, I, I don't know. This is too much of a toss-up for me to want to spend or trust one of them with um, uh, any type of uh, putting them on my roster. I'd rather have one of the receivers for the Ravens, which I can talk about later. But uh, I'm not going with any of the, the running backs from Baltimore. I'm skipping them this week. I seem to lean the same. I actually, if I was going to start any of them, I would go Gus Edwards. He's been in that system the longest. I do think he will have more of the between the 20s work, and he's a goal lineback. So that would be the direction I go, and I, I think it makes sense for him to be priced a few hundred bucks higher. Let's bring that same question over to the Indianapolis Colts. Are you only going with Richardson in their run game, or we have Jonathan Taylor out, and we now have the rookie Evan Hull out. So we have Zach Moss returning from the broken arm, and we have Deion Jackson. You know you know how much I love Deion because of his the way he tweets. If you don't follow Deion Jackson on Twitter, that's a must-follow. Um, Zach Moss or Deion Jackson? Moss coming back and presumably earning the starter role, but Deion, again, large target share last week, and and even though he was inefficient, a lot of opportunity, 14 or 13 attempts on the ground and six targets in the air. That is like an elite workload for a running back, but he's got Zach Moss entering the picture. Do you going with any Colts running back this week? Skipping them again, I think there's going to be a split, a, a pretty heavy split. Uh, Deion Jackson, the two fumbles last week that he lost, that's kind of scary. Um, and he was wildly inefficient. So um, I'm thinking that Houston, that Indianapolis is going to go more with Anthony Richardson rather than uh, Deion Jackson. Honestly, if I was going to go with one of them, I would go with Moss. Right. I agree. Um, are there any other running back value options that are piquing your interest. The one that's jumping out to me as I start to scroll down the list, Brian Robinson at 5,200. We saw him catch a pass for a touchdown. I believe it was a reception touchdown in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had 19 rushing attempts, which is he's going to be the workload running back. And Antonio Gibson also lost a fumble who's had a history of terrible fumble issues. So, it's going to be playing in Denver in a clo- what should be a close game this weekend. They're going to need not to have those little errors, and I think Brian Robinson Jr. is going to be relied on pretty consistently. His workload is very stable, and if he's starting to be involved in the pass game, and if we're catching that moment where Antonio Gibson's workload comes down, then that could be a nice opportunity for Robinson to secure a, a good point-to-price ratio at 5200 yeah, I, I, I love I love the Brian Robinson play, also on my fantasy team, so I might be a little biased, but I love that play. Two others that I was just looking at, uh, value plays. Another guy on my fantasy team, David Montgomery on the Lions. Love him at 5,800. I think he's a stud. I think he's uh, almost guaranteed for, for a goal line touchdown. And then uh, Kenny Walker the third uh, for Seattle. I also peak my interest at 5,800. Um, heavy workload. Uh, I just think he's really talented, and that could be a high-scoring game as well. So, two two other guys that I was looking at as lo- as well as Brian Robinson. I, I got I got two more popping up as well. Uh, Kyron Williams in the Ram- in the Rams situation. He seems to have been the starter. However, they're playing at home against the San Francisco 49ers. 
So the matchup spot makes me think it's not the time to use Kyron Williams, even though if they're in a negative game script, I do expect him to get more of the passing work than Cam Akers. So I think he's a, an option at 5,000, but there's other guys relative to him that I like. Like if Josh Kelly has the role with Eckler out, then I much prefer that. Um, the other one is someone that I've been so high on this year and the price just still doesn't reflect it. If, if you're going with Anthony Richardson, Gibb, then there's no way that you could include this person because you would never choose the running back opposing your rushing quarterback because you don't. that's just a, a bad stack. But Damian Pierce on the Houston Texans, his snap count and his workload has been so super elite. Uh, he's 5600 uh, bucks at home against the Colts. It should be a close game. It should be one where the Houston Texans could even straight up win and be ahead. I don't think C.J. Stroud is going to throw another 45 passes. So Damian Pierce might get an absolutely insane workload, and I like him a lot at 5,600. Yeah, I think I think he's a he's a good player. As you said, I'm not gonna. I, I wouldn't have him on my team with Anthony Richardson. I think before we move on from running backs, I think there's one that's really important to talk about here. And it's going to be important all the rest of the season is uh, Algier on Atlanta at 5,500. Do you yep. like him? Uh, how do you think that plays with Bijan? Because I feel like Bijan's more of a Debo Samuel type. Like they're going to put him in every single type of situation. And then Algier is just like a true running back. What do, you, what do you see there? Do you like that play? So I'm glad you brought this one up. Um, and I think this one's actually a lot simpler than we need to think about it. So the way that they used Bijan in week one, the, 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 the play in which Bijan got his touchdown, Algier was actually on the field as the running back, and you, you nailed it saying the likes of Debo Samuel. Uh, Bijan was literally split out wide like a wide receiver and caught a screen pass. So in the goal line and in the red zone, this team is using both of these backs. Bijan had six targets because he lined up in the wide receiver spot quite often. And anytime they were in those high-value touch situations, Algier was on the field and getting the ball and getting a good workload. And he's proven himself to be an incredibly efficient runner and a great power back in this Arthur Smith run scheme. Where I think this one gets a little bit tricky is that Cordero Patterson, an original uh, Gibby Graves team breakout player a few years ago, Cordero Patterson is probably going to be healthy and playing this week. He was an inactive last week because of an injury. So if Cordero Patterson is back, it just muddies up the backfield a little bit more, and I don't know exactly how they're going to use him. They kind of have Bijan and Cordero both kind of playing that same gadget role all over the field. I don't know how that impacts Algiers' workload. If Patterson is inactive, then I'm absolutely loving playing Algier as a home underdog against the Green Bay Packers. I'm already on the Falcons plus 1.5. I think it's one of my favorite bets of the week. If Patterson is active, then I think it's wait one more week and see how the workload splits out before you can go into Algier. What do you think of that summary? I like that. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what Cordero's role is because he because you know he came into the league as a kick returner, wide receiver, and now he's a running back. He's also another gadget player. So could you have three gadget players on the field at the same time? I don't think so, but yeah, maybe. I. I I, because you bring that up and he's playing this week, maybe maybe you hesitate and, and wait until next week so you can see you, what, what the kind of looks like. You hesitate going. not only on Algier, but in my opinion, you hesitate on Bijan at the top. Yeah. 
All right, let's move over to the wide receiver. I'll throw this to you right from the top. You said you had something to discuss when it came to the Ravens wide receivers, I believe. What was on your mind? Uh, watching last week, Zay Flowers is a ball player. He is so quick, so, so fast, shifty. so shifty. I, I didn't realize he was that good. I mean, shout out to BC. Um, but he was, uh, he was incredible. Uh, and I think he has a connection with Lamar Jackson. At $5,000, I think that's an absolute steal. I think it's um, a, a no-brainer play or it's a definite play for me uh, having Zay Flowers against Cincinnati, which I'm praying is a high-scoring game because, geez, what was Joe Burrow doing last week? <laughs> Playing in the rain, coming off an injury, throwing 84 <laughs> yards. But Gibby has Burrow not only in an MVP ticket, but riding on a season-long fantasy team. I am on the Bengals this week on the minus three, Gib. Uh, I avoided playing the under, so I'm with you in saying let's hope for a shootout. Uh, I do see smart people on the under 46.5 for this game. However... That's not a bet of mine. So let's shoot for an over. Let's shoot for Burrow to ball out. Let's shoot for uh, Zay Flowers to bring in a nice price-to-point ratio on your fantasy team. Uh, Odell and Bateman, are they just being pushed to the side now? Does the return of potentially Mark Andrews affect this? Does the absence of J.K. Dobbins make you feel better about Zay Flowers? How's the kind of the rest of the Ravens? I'll quickly look on Mark Andrews for you. I think he's back to practice. Uh yeah, he's, he's been a limited practice Wednesday and Thursday, so it seems like Andrews is, is lining up to play. Does that make you feel any different about the Flowers situation? No, I think um, I think the J.K. Dobbins being out uh, is definitely a benefit to Zay Flowers. I think Zay Flowers is going to play in the slot regardless. He's going to get his touches. He's, gonna, he's open. He is always open. So Lamar is going to get him the ball. I'm not worried about um, Odell or Bateman, I think. Uh, Zay has his role, uh, and it's a big role, and I don't think it's going to be diminished by uh, any of the other receivers or tight ends uh, on the team. Okay, let's go through a few more options on the value-wide receivers. I always start at the $7,000 mark and work down because that's the cutoff for the high spends. We don't generally talk too much about the guys that are like six. Those aren't really value options. Those are kind of just mid-tier priced options. But DeAndre Hopkins at 6700 Playing against the the Chargers, who have an atrocious defense and and bad secondary, even though I think it's Asante Samuel Jr. and Derwin James, like the 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 names should be a lot better than the performance <clears throat> that the um, Chargers have been showing end of last season and start to this season. Hopkins getting 13 targets. I think Tannehill will perform better. I think the Saints D is actually fantastic that they faced on the road. Now they're home against a worse defense. So I think Hopkins, if he's going to maintain this level of target volume, at 6,700, he might just absolutely crush and be a 25-point guy in a full PPR type of environment. I don't really love a lot of the other mid-tier options. I think if you were going with Hopkins, you could flip around and go Mike Williams or Keenan Allen on the other side. Um, And I keep scrolling down. I keep scrolling down. Puka Nakua is like one of the hottest names on the waiver wire, but he's uh, going against the 49ers, so I want none of that. The names that are starting to speak to me come really low in the wide receiver columns, and it's like Nico Collins. It's like uh, Wandale Robinson is being played by a lot of the optimizers. There might be some injuries 
in the New York Giants land. We know Darren Waller is questionable. We know Isaiah Hodgins and Slayton are an abject disaster. Uh, we have two teams that are community colleges. We have Chattanooga Community College and the Arizona Cardinals playing against the uh, Westchester Community College in the New York Giants. So I think you could pick off a Wandale and hope for a big game at a baseline 3,000. Any other wide receivers? Because this is it's, it's not looking good for me. It's kind of a, a situation where we identified so many good value options in the running back situation that this might be the week to go value running back and spend up receiver. Uh, there is one name that you did mention that we've talked about a little bit earlier, uh, but Debo Samuel uh, against the Rams at 5,600. Um, I think uh, – who's the other receiver? Ayuk I- had a yeah. huge week last week. Touched and down. I think Shan- Shanahan is a really smart coach and wants to make sure that all his players are feeling the love and uh, are still like in it each week. So I think – Debo might be in for a huge week. McCaffrey's obviously going to get his touches. Kittle's going to get a few touches. If uh, Kittle's not there, I don't think, right? Um, uh, but regardless, I think Debo might be in for a pretty big week, um, what Ayuk did last week. So I actually have Debo on my on my uh, daily fantasy. What about the Chiefs receivers? So I want to go back to that game because it is one of the highest totals on the board. Kelsey likely is coming back. That might be a boost to the rest of the Chiefs receivers. Maybe they get some better looks, but they're not going to get the same level of volume. Kadarius Toney was an abject disaster. Marquez Valdez-Scantling fucking sucks at football. Sky Moore dropped everything. Where this lands for me is Rashi Rice. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, Rashi Rice. Uh, He looked really good out there. He He, I think he had a touchdown catch. He made some big plays for this team. If there's any Chiefs receiver that I'm that I'm targeting, you might be buying into the hype right now. You might be going after Rashi Rice after one good week one game, which is not the right thing to do. But that would be the guy in the Chiefs receiver room that I kind of peg. Is there anyone? Do you agree with that one, or do you think there's any good value option on a Chiefs wide receiver? Yeah, I, I like that pick. But I, I I always like to give a shout out to to Ivy League football because my brother played there. But Justin Watson, he also looked. Pretty decent he last did week look good, and he's been in that system for a uh, while, right? He's the one that's been there the yeah. longest. I think he's been uh, – this is his second year or third year? I don't know. Because um, he was with Tampa and then was now with uh, Kansas City. But you can't – they can't trust Sky Moore. You can't trust Kadarius Tony. I think, like, Watson showed that he's pretty reliable, and at $3,300, you could see him having, like, 60 yards and a touchdown, and then – that's an absolute, uh, you know, jackpot. Yeah, uh, 3,300. I actually, I, I kind of like that a lot. I might actually like that more than Rashi Rice now that we talk about it. Let's go over to the tight end department. Gib, on the Tuesday pod, which I know you listen to forwards, backwards, and then again forwards at 0.5 speed because you love the show so much. I chose not to go over any tight ends at all because we did not have enough news on Kelsey. We had Waller and Andrews banged up. And if I'm going to be talking about the spend up options and the elite players, you couldn't catch me dead talking about Tyler, uh, Tyler Higby. Was is that, am I spacing out? Is he Tyler Higby? Yeah. I don't know why I blanked so much on that. I wasn't going to be talking about Tyler Higby and Evan Ingram on the same podcast that I talked about Christian McCaffrey and Justin Jefferson. It just felt incredibly fraudulent. So let's do the entire tight end landscape. 
and go over this. Um, I think Kelsey makes for a great option if he's playing. And if you want to play Mahomes, that Mahomes-Kelsey stack in a cash lineup seems very uh, valuable. I would avoid Andrews coming off the injury. It, it's Kelsey's one of the most durable guys. Andrews, not as much. Same with Waller. Uh, especially Waller with the hamstring. He's going to be more limited in his explosiveness and his burst and potentially his snap count. So I'm on the on the value guys. I would be okay with Kelsey, but then I think I'm going like value hunting in the tight end space. How do you feel about the spend ups before we start breaking down the values? I hate the spend ups. Good. I'm not. Okay. I'm, not I'm not. I'm not spending up on the tight ends. All yeah. the best, like they're they're all hurt or there's something that I can't trust with them. I'm going value and tight end. All right, who are you going with, or who's a few of the potential options you're you're, you're targeting? I, I have I have one that is like screams. I have to play him, um, and then I have one that I want to ask you about. Ooh, he's let me guess. Boy. Let me let me guess. <laughs> this makes it fun. Um, hmm. The one that you have to play. So this is going to be a Gibby Graves core four member tight end. Uh. Luke Musgrave. Nope. Right. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. All right. Yeah, I, that uh, makes a lot of sense with the with the point total in that game. Go ahead. Yeah, if you think if you think it's going to be a high scoring game, which which many people do, um, he's a great option. He had a pretty solid game yesterday. I think he has a really great connection uh, with Trevor Lawrence, and also last year, if I'm remembering correctly, he has some like breakout games, like absolute stud games where 100 plus yards uh one touchdown or like 80 yards two touchdown type games um so i'm going evan ingram uh as my start uh but i think the question that i have for you is your boy k pitts 4200 right there you spent 12 dollars on him in the auction or whatever you spent on him am i gonna spend another you- four thousand two hundred in a dfs lineup <laughs> on him uh, whew. so let me give you the positive and the negative for Kyle Pitts. The negative yeah. is Desmond Ritter. The negative is Arthur yeah. Smith. And the negative is that Ritter threw 18 passes last week. So mm-hmm. even though Pitts like is an elite player, I still think we still, I don't, I don't even know. Um, the opportunity might not be enough. On the other hand, they were playing against the Carolina Panthers. They were winning the majority of the game and in a rushing script. And within that, Kyle Pitts finished as an elite, 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 you know, if you're talking about routes run in every time Ritter went to pass, Kyle Pitts was running a route on 91% of Ritter's dropbacks. So now that is like literally the highest in the league. I'm looking at Evan Ingram's. His was 73%, which is still very very good for a tight end that's very good 91 is fucking outstandingly elite so the usage and the advanced splits behind pits shows that this train is only going north and hopefully desmond ritter throws the ball more than 18 times however it's tough to rely on that i do like the falcons as you know a home underdog this week it should be a much closer game the packers are a pretty good team who can who have a good offensive line to keep the ball moving too and, and make the Atlanta Falcons need to put up points. And there's a lot of sh- smart people and sharps in the market who are actually on the Packers in this game. So 
if the Packers are going to be winning and the, the Falcons, the one thing the Falcons might really struggle with this season is being in negative game scripts and having to catch up. But that might help Kyle Pitts quite a bit. So I think Kyle Pitts, 4,200, is definitely an option. Uh, I think Tyler Higby at the 4,600 without Cooper Cup still. I mean, everyone's freaking out about Puka Nakua. Stafford looked so good that I'm not willing to just go right away from Tyler Higby yet. It is a tough matchup situation. And then some of the other names that I'm looking at, Laporta. Like, the, that rookie guy, Laporta, looked fantastic against the Chiefs. And now he's at home in the Dome where golf is always better. And he's playing against the uh, Seattle Seahawks, who should have, like, a pretty weak defense. So I think Sam Laporta makes for a nice option. And the guy that I spoke about earlier, who was my guest for yours choice, was Luke Musgrave. Just on the other side of that Kyle Pitts situation, Musgrave is so cheap. And like I spoke about Pitts, is handling such an elite workload of the passing down situation for the Green Bay Packers tight ends that this is a total wasteland. But you're just hoping for one of these guys to get four for 40 and a touchdown or maybe have six catches. And these guys, Laporta, Pitts, Musgrave, in my opinion, have just as much of a chance of doing it as the Wallers and Andrews. Kelsey's another level if he's healthy. Agreed. Agreed. I think, I mean, tight end is such a wasteland. We don't need to spend too much time there. Let's do the defenses and wrap this up, Gib. Uh, I also didn't really go through any high-spend defenses. If you're playing in a GPP contest, let me give you two tips and tricks to differentiate from the player from the rest of the player pool pretty easily. One is pay for a defense. A lot of people who enter these lineups, first thing that they do is go to the defense, they scroll all the way to the bottom, and they find a decent option that they might like. So they're taking the Cardinals this week because the Giants looked atrocious. They're taking, you know, the Falcons this week at home against the Packers because they haven't sold and bought in on Jordan Love. You can simply scroll to the top and play the 49ers going against the Rams, play the Dallas Cowboys going against Zach Wilson and the Jets. Now, you would think that might be one of the most owned defenses, but I would say a lot of people are going to be scared off paying $4,000 for a defense. You have the Denver Broncos with an amazing defense going against Sam Howell and the Commanders. Broncos at home, Commanders on the road. That's another situation that I absolutely love. I'm on the Broncos' money line. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. You can look at that total. It's a joke. So Broncos defense probably or, or, or Cowboys are probably my two favorite, Gib. Uh, I'll let you chime in here, but I said I wanted to give two tips and tricks for GPPs. The second one was just don't spend all your money. If you go into you have $50,000 to make a team. If you go into the, the DraftKings lobby with the assumption of I have four. 48500 and no matter how I construct my team, I'm going to leave $1,000 plus unspent, you will have a different team. Simply by rebudgeting and reallocating will give you such a different team than the standard of people who are just trying to spend all their money and optimize things. If you're going for a random, like, I want to hit in the top 1%, then one way to do that is just not spend all your money. Because if your players still do well, you will not have a roster that's mimicked by other teams. So, Gib, I'm going to throw this over to the defense to you. Uh, thoughts on Broncos, Cowboys, or any of the cheaper options on defense? Uh, when I was looking at this, um, the one that stood out to me is the Buccaneers. I still don't trust Justin Fields as a quarterback. Um, 
I think he's always one pass away from a pick six. And if you get a one pick six, then you know, and you spend thirty two hundred, it's a it's a good it's a good buy, uh, a good roster spot. So the Buccaneers is who I was looking at as as my as my defense. But I, I, I don't I don't hate also spending up with the Cowboys. Just looking at how good the Cowboys defense is. So good. Jesus, like Jesus Christ. They're, Did they're you hear? Wait, 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 wait. I got to interrupt you. Did you hear what happened with Fandor with the first touchdown in that game with the prop? No, what happened? So people who bet Cowboys defense to score the first touchdown of the game, and it was a blocked kick returned for a touchdown. Oh, what is special your, teams technically. What is your opinion on this? Who gets did paid? Did they out? specify? Is it defense slash special teams? Did it, they, is, did it say it that? Is, it is not. So no, it's not defense. That's special teams. Okay, so all of the fantasy community was raised up in arms because if you're on FanDuel or DraftKings DFS contest and you played the Cowboys defense in the defense spot, it's it's technically. DST, which is defense special teams. So Gibby's right in saying you've actually been allotted a defense slash special teams in fantasy where you are not getting them when you bet that in the live odds. However, if you bet Dallas Cowboys defense to score the first touchdown of that game, I'd be fucking pissed with you. Like that is, I would have, I would have been celebrating when that was returned to the house. I would have been checking my fantasy team. I would have been waiting for that to cash and then realize, ah, fuck. Was there – here's one question. Was there an option for special teams to be first first touchdown? I don't know because I don't even bother looking at those god-awful props because it's the biggest sucker market. If you're actually betting for Cowboys special teams to have the first touchdown of the game, then I don't know what you're doing listening to this pod 38 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if, if there is not the option for special teams to be the first touchdown, yeah, then, it should be then a I would have a, but there is then I'd have a problem. There is other. Okay. So there, there are ways, you know, there wasn't a, the, the thing that I think Fandle sometimes cooks the books on and, and doesn't even give the option for the winner is like NBA most improved player when like they give one or two guys to every team as options. So like another guy who might not even be listed in the award might end up taking the, taking the trophy. So I think in this case, there was an option to include special teams in the bet by betting other, but, um, yeah, I feel bad for people. What about the Jets defense? It, it's 2700 kind of a low spend. They're like the sixth cheapest option. They're in that Dallas game going against the Cowboys. If Zach Wilson is going to be uh, the starter, which he is, we know that the defense incredibly stepped up against Josh Allen. Are they going to do the same against Dak Prescott? Does Dak Prescott come in playing mistake-free football or – are the Jets' defense so good that they could still rattle the Cowboys? Um, I don't love the play here with the Jets. I don't. I, I don't think that Dak is going to like dominate the Jets by any means. I, I do think the Jets have a really talented defense, but I think Dak is. I think he's. I think he's really, really good. I think he's really smart, and I think he's not going to turn the ball over a ton. You're not going to get sacked a ton. It's going to just be like kind of a low-scoring game. Maybe they score like 14 to 21 points somewhere in that range, and then like maybe like maybe one or two sacks. So I don't think they're gonna they're gonna score that much. I don't love that play. I think I'd rather go with the the Buccaneers here than, than, the, than the Jets. All right, I think that pretty much covers the whole DFS space. Do you have any 
best bets that you want to give out? Are there any lines that you like on the board that are I didn't I didn't prep you for this. I I did not tell you this is coming. So quickly pull up the FanDuel odds and, and walk it through. We have Eagles Vikings tonight, six and a half point favorite for the Eagles on a home game short week Thursday. I told you my, one of my favorite spots. Oh my God, the Falcons are now minus 1.5 favorites. I have them at plus 1.5. It has moved through that number and the Falcons are now home favorites. That's a surprising one. We love to see that. Um, any other spots that you, that you particularly like? Uh well, I'm big. I'm a big player prop guy, um, and one of the player props that I saw that I am going to play uh, is Baker Mayfield uh, over one and a half touchdown passes. Um, wow! And they're playing against I, the Bears. Okay. Uh, I think he. I'm also. I also have Mike Evans on my fantasy team, so I might be biased again. But I think he looked better than than I was expecting him to look, and. Uh, hoping, hoping he has two two touchdown passes. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good play. I think it was like what, what were the, what were the odds that you got on that? I think it was plus one twenty five. It has to be plus oh, money, right? Yeah, it was plus money. Okay. Um, that's why I took it. I, I, I just thought it was good value. Um, yeah, let's let's start I, adding this Gib to every pod that every value options pod that we do together. Let's add in Gibby's favorite pop, prop of the week at the end of it. This week being Baker Mayfield's over one and a half touchdowns at plus money. You're looking at it right now. Plus one twenty nine. I got on So so I'll do I'll do my homework, Gib, and I'll I'll keep track of your prop bet of the week that you give out and see how you do throughout the season. Uh, Baker Mayfield over one point five touchdowns. I like it. I like playing that at the plus one nearly 130 more than like playing the over 40.5 juice to minus 115 so there's different ways you could play correlated angles and find a situation where you think there's going to be more scoring in this game and you're fading the bears you just play the over on baker's uh touchdowns i like that a lot um i think that covers it so let me remind everyone to rate review subscribe to the pod follow me on x.com Subscribe to the Substack and get into this Chris Olave rookie card giveaway. Sign up for the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel where you can see all of my picks. I will be back on Saturday doing a Core 4 podcast, reviewing my final bets of the week, and going through four players that will definitely be in my cash game lineup. So we've gone through a bunch of high-spend options on the Tuesday pod. It was actually done on Wednesday. I keep messing that up. Today, we went through the value options on the DFS slate. I'm sure more injury news is going to come in before Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, I will record a core four and get it out to you guys. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you, Gibby, for the time. And as always, peace out.